It was a time of excitement. Many of you will remember the Jesus movement of the 1970s. It had started out on the West Coast, and it was kind of in response to the anybody do anything you want to 1960s. And somehow the Holy Spirit started working in lives and Jesus started being, became a word that was on a lot of lips and the movement moved eastward and right on through the United States as lots of young people's lives were changed and churches got excited. The song, Get All Excited, Go Tell Everybody That Jesus Christ is King, was one of those songs that grew out of that movement because we were excited in those days. Get all excited. I got to tell you, this morning was exciting. Uh, David, I thank you. Thank you for putting together and, and praise leaders, choir, orchestra, everybody, praise band. Boy, how the excitement in the church this morning. I was in my mid-twenties, and I was music, music and youth minister of a church that ran about 500 on a Sunday morning, and we had a, a youth ministry. We, we had started a coffee house in a vacant storefront downtown and invited young people from all over town to come into our coffee house and have a cup of espresso that would keep them awake the rest of the night. And to have a, something sweet to eat, to shoot a game of pool, play some ping pong, enjoy visiting with, uh, with some of our adults that would tell them about Jesus or just shoot the breeze with them. And we had a pretty good thing going. It was, uh, it was exciting. We had music playing and, and uh, different parents of the youth in the youth group would stay there until 11 o'clock at night. One night I was there until 11 and... Uh, Joe Quintana uh, was there, had been invited. His teacher, one of his teachers, uh, was a member of our church, and she had invited Joe to come to the coffee house. Joe showed up, and I got to meet him. She told me he was going to be there, and so we shot the breeze for a while. And when 11 o'clock came and it came time to close, Joe said, Can I visit with you for a little while? And I said, Sure. So we we locked the door of the place, and, and then he and I ended up walking around down alleys and in back ways of places that I never would have gone by myself, <laughs> but uh, Joe wanted to just talk and visit about Jesus. He hadn't heard very much about the real Jesus, and, and so we talked, and sometime after about midnight, between midnight and one, I can't remember the exact time, Joe and I knelt down in a back alley somewhere in that little town, and Joe prayed to receive Jesus Christ as his personal Savior, and then he got up from there, and I finally went home and tried to explain it all to my wife. <laughs> then uh, Joe became a steadfast Christian, and he, he just got so involved and became all excited for Jesus. He was one example of people that got excited because of the movement of Jesus back in that period of time. At the same time, right around that same general time, there was a young evangelist that was going around holding crusades. 
and he had a singing group with him. And they would come into a town, and, and uh, a lot of times at a football stadium, but also in our particular town, it came to our church because our auditorium would seat up to 1,200 people when you put them in the balcony and so on. And so he came to our church, and we did a lot of advertising, billboards and all of that. And because of the, the uh, excitement that there was with the Jesus movement, it attracted a lot of attention. And, and the young singing group that played their guitars and did all the stuff that was so fun, uh, a lot of people came into our church. On Thursday night of that week, we had in our 1,200-seat auditorium 1,600 people. Most of them were young people. I'm glad the fire marshal was not among them. <laughs> and they filled up the seats coming down from the auditorium. All they could do was hear, of course. They couldn't see what was going on. People lining the walls around the building as this Singing groups sang about Jesus and, and the young evangelist poured out his heart and told about how important Jesus Christ was as the means of salvation to come to know Christ personally, that he gave his life for them. And at the end of the service, 500 young people went to the front of that auditorium to commit their lives to Jesus Christ. Oh, it was a time of excitement. We baptized, now most of those young people went to other churches. We baptized about 50 of that group. And then out of that, we created uh, youth Bible study groups. And on Thursday nights, we started at 7-11 and ended at 841, the 1970s. And we had a Bible study group for every age, 7th grade through 12th grade, and it was so exciting. I went away. Decades later, I went back to visit with friends. and I happened to see three of the young people that had been, or three of the people, they were, they were middle-aged now, who had been in my youth group, and two of them were no longer active in church at all, uh, they said, oh yeah, we, we, we still love Jesus, but they were, their fire had kind of gone out. One of the three was still on fire for the Lord, was still very excited and, and a part of things. The church on a good Sunday had almost 100 in attendance. What had happened? What had gone on that had made the difference? From all appearances, the church's fire had grown lukewarm. Now, a sermon will normally indicate a problem and then talk about how to fix it. And that's what we're going to do here. What does God think about a church that has gone lukewarm? Revelation 3, 14 to 20. Revelation 3, 14 to 20. I'm reading from the New International Version. It's a familiar passage to you. It's about one of the seven churches. To the angel of the church in Laodicea, write, These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. 
So because you are lukewarm, neither one or cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I'm rich, I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing, but you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. And then that wonderful 20th verse. Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Excitement in the church. Well, the church that Christ built is a paradox in a sinful world. Jesus created the church. Now, a paradox. That's two things that don't really fit occupying the same space. Uh, for example, because this is kind of an Air Force town, a lot of y'all have been, have been at Rhine-Main, right? How many of y'all have been to Rhine-Main, uh, Germany? Yeah, quite a, quite a few. Uh, you've been to downtown Frankfurt, and some of you have seen that, uh, that cathedral in that big church in downtown Frankfurt. It, is, uh, it was built, I think, in the 1300s, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and during the bombing of World War II, the daylight bombing by the Americans and the nighttime bombing by the, by the British, the town of Frankfurt was literally leveled or just burnt, turned to rubble. It, it was bombed almost to nothing. That church was spared. It was not turned to rubble. All around it was just destroyed. But that church stood. I, I still see that as kind of a symbol from God that that church remained there. It was a paradox that the church remained in a place of complete rubble. Another paradox, a perfect Jesus came to a sinful world. Perfect Jesus, sinful world. Which brings us to this paradox, the imperfect church represents the perfect Christ to a sinful world. We have a mission representing the perfect Christ. What is the church? Those people who identify themselves as followers of Christ at the church. Now, there are two, two things. It's all believers of all time. That's one thing when you'll, you'll find that both definitions in the New Testament. All believers of all time, that's the church. That's the large church, the universal church, the church of Jesus Christ. And then there is the local congregation. That's Hoffmantown Baptist Church. You are the local church or Hoffmantown Church. You are the local church. And so uh, we are the, the local congregation of the church. Now, through the month of March, uh, I'm going to be bringing you a series of five messages called This I Believe, and it's uh, 
going to be about what our basic doctrines are, what we believe. And you're going to be getting a little booklet like this. It's 12 pages of note-taking uh, space so that you can keep up with it and just take some simple notes. And I hope that you'll plan to be here and you'll invite your friends to come for that series of five messages to help. And you may not believe exactly the way I do. There's, I mean, if you're not, you're wrong. But... <laughs> But I invite you to come and, and to be a part of that. But this is, uh, that is what the church, and that's one of the things we'll talk about is what the church is. But the church is believers, and the local congregation is baptized believers, people who have given their lives to Christ and have indicated that by being baptized and in uh, becoming a part of the church. The local church at Laodicea had been... A dynamic church. It was situated at a commercial crossroads where it could reach many thousands of people that came through that area. But it got fat and lazy. It lost its capacity to care for the world. It turned inward and only cared about itself. John, I'm so impressed with your ministry of outreach and your, your mission mindedness here and the way you lead Hoffmantown and y'all's outreach activities in so many ways. God bless y'all. That's, that's a wonderful thing. Uh, what about the church today though? We still have that sinful world to deal with. People and pollution, lostness and lack of purpose, emptiness and loneliness that's going on out there. We have spiritual hunger. Sounds tough. But we also have a living Christ. We have a Jesus that's bigger than all of this. Someday, or some say, the day of the church is past. They say, gone are the days of the great revivals. Spurgeon, Moody, Billy Graham, we just, and the young evangelist I told you about. Gone are those days where hundreds of people get saved. You just can't expect folks to get saved like that anymore. The truth is, sad to say, most of the old line churches in America are either stagnant or losing membership. However, Jesus said in Matthew 16, 18, one of my favorite verses, I will build my church. I will build my church. He will not let it grow stagnant. Now, local congregation, be a part of the action because Jesus said, I will build my church. While Satan is working so hard, so is our Lord. Our Lord will build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Southern Baptists remain the largest evangelical denomination in America. We've got about 15 million uh, members. Folks are still getting saved by the thousands People are getting saved, following the Lord in baptism and tithing 
and going as missionaries near and far, still doing good things. This church right here is in a community of great opportunity. It has numerous ministries reaching out, as I just mentioned. Think how much more can be done as excitement grows, as we get more excited about possibilities. Remember what Jesus did with just 12 people? Jesus turned the whole world upside down with 12 people and the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, we've got 12 people and the power of the Holy Spirit turned the city upside down through the power of the Holy Spirit. Then ask God to show you how you can be a part of the action. You remember, I've, and I've talked about experiencing God. I think you're, some of you are going through the study of experiencing God right now. That's one of the points that Blackaby makes is what you need to do is not try to create some kind of a new program and say, okay, God, now bless this. But what he says is see what God is doing and get involved with him because he's already got a plan. Just see what God is doing and become a part of the plan that God already has working. So, with that thought in mind, what is God's plan? You know, he does have one. God does have a plan. Well, I'll tell you what it's not. I'll tell you what God's plan is not. It is not in God's plan, in Christ's plan, for any church to be lukewarm. That's not part of his plan. Matter of fact, Jesus said, lukewarm churches make, make me sick, make me want to throw up. No. So how can a church tell whether it is lukewarm or not? How can you even tell? In Matthew 7, 20, Jesus says, we'll know by the fruit we are producing. What kind of fruit is the local church producing? That's how you'll know whether you're lukewarm or not. Is this church, church one of spirit-filled enthusiasm and excitement? After the praise time this morning, I'd have to say our praise time is spirit-filled and enthusiastic. I'm not talking, though, about shallow surface-level form without substance. When you stood to sing with this wonderful praise team up here, when you did that and you sang those, some of those courses were, were, have become familiar to us, and, they, and it's just so nice to sing them. When you sang, did the joy come from deep down inside? And it was a deep expression of joy and love and and praise to an almighty God that you just couldn't contain yourself? Or was it just a, something that you just kind of ritual that you go through? Or did you just stand there? Because if you sat down, people would look at you funny. What, where did that come from? Was it something that was from deep inside your very soul that you committed that? that you committed that praise to God.
does our praise come deep from deep within? Are people being saved and baptized in the church? I know we have an evangelistic team, and I know that that they are that they have a responsibility for talking to people about Christ. And, and just as the visiting preacher, or there's a lot I don't know about what goes on. So I hope that people are getting saved. I know that on Sunday mornings we provide an opportunity. And if you don't know Christ, I hope that you will come to know him today. Because at the end of the service, we're going to open the front again. We'll have counselors standing here that you can come and talk to about how to get saved. The word saved is not just a happenstance type word. It's not just an old cliche term. It means literally saved from going to eternal separation from God in a place the Bible calls hell. Saved from eternal damnation. No, you don't want to do that. You want to be saved. So are people getting saved in the church? That's part of the fruit that we're talking about here. Are people being saved and then baptized? Baptism is the first act of obedience after you get saved. Are people being saved and baptized? Laodicea had been enthusiastic, but something happened. Look at what the Apostle Paul wrote about that church. Colossians 2.1 said, I want you to know how much I am struggling for you and for those at Laodicea. Paul recognized that the church at Laodicea had the term they used, lost its first love. They had loved Jesus so, but they had turned inward and lost their first love and started loving other stuff more than they loved Jesus. Oh, that our excitement would well up from inside and we would love Jesus more than anything else. That we couldn't help but tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Excitement in the church. Lukewarmness is a condition that is nauseating to Christ. So that's what Christ's plan is not. Christ's plan is for the church to be alive, awake, alert, and excited. Yes, it is. We cannot manufacture godly excitement. Put on a good face, smile big. That's talk about things that make you gag. No, you can't do that, but we can open our sides, our, ourselves to his work in us and this church. It starts with individuals, you and me, getting completely right with the Lord, making sure that our personal lives are right with the Lord, that the Holy Spirit has sway over our own individual lives, that we are prayed up that we talk to him regularly and that we say, oh God, if there are places in my life where I have taken control, please show me so I can give them back to you. I want so much for you to be in charge. Oh God, even lukewarm churches will likely have a few excited members. Pray that the preponderance will be excited. Now let's get practical for a little while. I've said, everything I've said up to this point is to lay groundwork. Now we'll get excited. We'll get to practical. The words of Christ do point out the way to excitement. 
Jesus lays out four things that bring excitement to the church. Four ways. Number one, confession of our spiritual need. We need to confess that we do indeed have a need. Verse 18 of our text, Jesus says, Buy from me gold refined in fire. What the interpretation of that is, Jesus is saying, I have what you need. I have the gold of the Holy Spirit right here for you. Come and get it from me. I've got it available to you. Or 1 John 1, 9 is that wonderful verse that says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Confession is the first step in getting Christ in his right place in our hearts as individuals. So then it carries on to the church where we can have any influence. The second point is then repentance. Repentance. Verse 19 says, So be earnest and repent. Repent means that you turn from your ungodly ways. You quit doing what you have been doing that God doesn't approve of. One of my pet peeves, and you all have know it because know it I've said it half a dozen times during the few months I've been here, is cussing. If you're a Christian, you call yourself a Christian, but people hear you use swear words, what a bad testimony for Christ that is. Just knock it off. If you do business practices, if you are in business and you use every opportunity to make an extra dime on the people that you're working on or you're working with, and sometimes it can be a little gray, not black or white, don't do that. Do the things that God would have you do in your language and in your activity life. If you have an opportunity with your neighbor to do something nice for them, do it. Do the godly thing. But repentance means you turn from doing the ungodly thing. Turn from our sin. But you say, I'm already a Christian. I don't need to repent. But have you ever been totally committed to Christ? I was, uh, I think I may have told you this. I was attending a, 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 a men's meeting at, at Conscious Lake one time and a, uh, when I was a youth minister. And the, um, a man came, uh, came up to me and put his finger in my face and said, Have you ever been totally committed to Christ? I said, Well, yeah, I'm the youth minister over at such and such church. And he said, That's not what I'm asking. He said, I'm saying, or have you ever been totally committed to Christ? Well, he irritated me. <laughs> Number one, he didn't even know me. He just met me. He didn't know whether I had or not. But you know what? That has lived with me for these succeeding 50 years since he did it. I have to keep asking myself, have I been totally committed to Christ? And let me ask you. Have you been totally committed to Christ? Have you ever been? It can be pretty good, can't it? Just be totally 
committed to Christ. Let him be first in your life. Repent where repentance needs to take place. Third, opening one's life to Christ. So you've confessed, you've repented. Now we're still dealing on the individual personal level now about how to bring excitement in the church, all right? Everybody in the church needs to do this to make it right. Opening one's life to Christ, that verse 20, here I am standing at your door knocking. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens the door, I will, uh, or, uh, I will come in and sup with him and he with me is the way we memorized it as kids in the King James Version. I will come in and sit down with you and it'll be a wonderful fellowship. Opening the one's life to Christ. Just let Jesus come in and be your best friend. He knows all about what's going on with you. He knows why you are the way you are. And he loves you anyway, and he's ready to bring you into his fold with the sweetness and the love that can't help but bring excitement into your life. Repentance, and then opening one's life to Christ. When you open your life to Christ, Christian, new things begin to happen that haven't happened in the past if you've never allowed him to have full commitment in your life. Another thing is, non-Christian, when you open your life to Christ, he welcomes you in. And he's so glad to have you as a part of the family. You know how you do that? Well, there's a couple of things. Number one, you got to recognize that you're a sinner. Anybody in here never sinned? Please raise your hand, then tell me how you did it. No, the Bible says we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And then the Bible says that the penalty for sin is death. Eternal separation from God in a place the Bible calls hell. A horrible place that you don't want to go. That's just eternity in a place that the Bible describes as fire. Another place it talks about outer darkness. The whole message is it's just horrible. You don't want to be there. And that's the penalty for sin. However, sin can be forgiven and it was forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ when he sacrificed himself. He didn't have any sins of his own. He's the only person that ever lived that doesn't have any sins of his own. And as God's son, he could do that. He sacrificed himself so that he could forgive our sins. So that takes care of them, right? No. We have to believe in him and accept him as our savior. Ask him to come into our lives and to be our master Give ourselves to him. Oh, it's a free gift. Why not? Jesus, come into my life. Be my Lord and master. I confess. I repent. I ask you to be in my life. Now talk about excitement. That'll bring excitement to your life. And the fourth point, being obedient to the Holy Spirit. Being obedient. Verse 22, which I didn't read earlier, says, Whoever has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Jesus is saying for us to not only hear the words, but to act on them as well. Hear it and act on it. You may say, but Sunday morning worship is all the church stuff I have time for. Well, pray about that, would you? Then rearrange your priorities 
so you have time to add just one more thing. Remember Curly in the City Slickers? One more thing. Just add one more thing which can make a difference in your life or the life of your church. Maybe more later. Pray about which one thing you'll add. It may be attending a K group or teach a class or serve on a committee or sing in the choir or play in the orchestra. I recommend that you be able to play an instrument before you do that. <laughs> or work with the children, whatever it is. I had uh, one of the churches where I was interim pastor while I was in Washington, D.C., was Grace Baptist Church in Woodbridge, Virginia. The church was running 450, 500 at the time. And the unique thing about Grace was that they had what we call a covenant membership. And I had never heard of that before I was at Grace. But the covenant membership works like this. At midnight on December 31st, there are no members of that church. It, all membership goes away. And so we had uh, a uh, oh, kind of a, a midnight watch night party type thing at the church. And everybody who was a, normally a member of the church, had been for the last year that wanted to, could be there that night and they would sign their covenant card and turn in their covenant card. And, so they, and the covenant card had certain things on it and you would turn that in. And so now the church started off with a membership of maybe 100 or something. Uh, because that's how many would be there. The following Sunday, more people would fill it out and so on. So over a period of a few weeks, you would get a lot of your membership back because that's, that's what happened. But I'll tell you what, there was no Deadwood membership at Grace Baptist Church in Woodbridge, Virginia because come December 31st, all that was gone. They still have their covenant membership. I, the, the pastor that followed my interim pastor was uh, Tim Perrin. And Tim is still there, and I talked to him this week. said, y'all still doing covenant membership? And he said, oh, yeah. He said, We've, uh, we have, uh, I said, what are y'all running in, uh, in uh, attendance now? And he said, oh, uh, six or 700. So they're, they're up in, in attendance and, and doing well. And, I, and he said, but we've changed our covenant membership a little bit. And here's kind of where I was going with all this. Which, which is uh, pretty unique. Now, it's not for everybody. I'm not selling it, but I'm saying that, it, that some of the concepts here are quite good, though. Four things they have on the covenant card when you sign up to join Grace Baptist Church in Woodbridge, Virginia. Number one, you say that you will pray for the church. Number two, you say that you will have a ministry within the church. If you're going to be a member of that church, you will have a ministry in the church. Number three, you will support missions by giving and going. And number four, you will be a part of a small group in the church. If you're going to covenant to be a member of that church, you will do all four of those important things. You're not going to be just a pew sitter. You're going to come in and be a part of the church. That church has excitement because there's no dead wood. There are people there that know what they are expected to do. It's exciting. Let me recommend. Now, again, I don't know that the midnight December 31st thing would work with everybody, 
But let me recommend that you, in your own personal life, commit to doing more than just being a pew sitter. That you commit to the Lord that, boy, for, for excitement in my church, to do what the Lord needs done in his kingdom so I can be a part of the action, I'm going to commit myself to do one more thing that I've been doing. Lord, show me what it is you want me to do. Open the door, and I promise to go through. You may say, but I'm just not religious. I just come to church to keep my wife off my back. Doesn't Jesus deserve better than that? Oh, I'm glad you're here. Thank you for coming. But doesn't Jesus deserve more from in here than that? The consequences of life without Christ are just the same, whether you're religious or not. But officer, I just don't believe in the law. How far will that get you? But Jesus, I just don't believe in the Bible. or I don't believe in all this church stuff. No. So first, establish a good relationship with Christ. Then do as he instructs you in his word as you pray and seek wise counsel. In other words, be obedient to him. The first element in a wonderful formula, and I close with this. There are four elements in this great formula for getting all excited in your church and bringing excitement to the church. The first is obedience. Be obedient to Christ. That's all we've been talking about here. Second, obedience leads to action. You see, I'm being obedient to you, Christ. What do you want me to do? And that leads you to action. And the third thing then, action leads to enthusiasm. I'm doing something, so it makes me feel like doing some more. Yeah, enthusiasm. And enthusiasm, of course, leads to excitement. Excitement in the church, excitement on my part, and I share it with others in the church, and they get excited, and the church continues to grow in the name of the Lord, growing in, in the spiritual growth and growing in numbers as we reach out and touch people for Christ. We get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is King. Get all excited. Amen. It starts in the heart. It starts in the heart. How is your heart relationship with Christ today? Bow your heads with me, please. If you need, you know you need to recommit your life to Christ, talk to him right now where you're sitting. Recommit your life to him, would you? Pray with me. Jesus, I know I'm a Christian. I've asked you to come into my life. You are my Savior, and I thank you for saving me and making me your child. But I know that I've also been lukewarm. So right now, I ask you to show me the spiritual weakness in my life. And show me what I need to change. Right now I confess my need for you. And that I'm not what I ought to be. Jesus, 
Give me your presence through the power of the Holy Spirit to become the Christian that you want me to be. Jesus, help me to be effective for you. Thank you, Jesus. Person who has never prayed to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, I invite you right now to pray a prayer that asks Jesus to come into your life and to become your master and Lord and to forgive your sins, to be your Savior because he wants so too. A prayer something like this. Dear Jesus, yes, I know I've sinned. And I understand about the penalty for sin being death. Thank you for paying the penalty for my sin, O Son of God. Thank you for rising on the third day and having a place for me in heaven. I now accept your death as payment for my sin and ask you to become my master. I give myself to you. Dear Jesus, I pray if there are those who have committed themselves to you right now and that you would give them the strength to make that a serious commitment forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you please stand? Our counselors will be standing at the front. And for the next few moments, if you need to make a public commitment to Christ, I invite you to come down and speak to one of our counselors. They're waiting here to talk to you about next steps that you can take. Or Christian, maybe you just need to come and pray at these steps just for the next few minutes. Just come down and commit this time to Christ. I realize we're running long this morning. You may be a couple of minutes late starting your K group. I think that'll be okay today. Just take this time to come and commit yourself to Christ one more time. This is the time. This is the time of commitment. Dear Jesus, I thank you so much for the privilege of being together as a community of believers. I pray that none of us will leave this place without having done seriously the work that you want us to do in our own lives, without having given you your rightful place in every way. Help us to be faithful to you. Help us to get all excited about you and what you want to do in ourselves and in our church. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Thank you for your attendance. We look forward to seeing you next week. God bless you.